Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks Know Shit. Today, we're going to be talking all things career. I have with me today, Amber Beam, who is a midlife career coach. And I know this from talking with a lot of my friends and peers and listeners of this podcast and clients that there comes a point in everybody's career where you're like, God, I can't keep doing this any longer. And the problem is when you've invested as many years as we have in our careers, sometimes the thought of changing that can be downright daunting. So today we're going to chat with Amber about how to switch careers. And I love the way she puts it as in, you don't want to have to start over basically, or take a pay cut um, in order to be able to find yourself a more more fulfilling career. So welcome, Amber. So glad you could join us today. Oh, thanks so much, Jennifer. I'm glad to be here and be on this podcast. Um, the vibe is so positive. I know from listening to other shows, just it just feels like this little family of almost like a secret society kind of. Oh. Yeah, old chicks know shit and, and you don't. So there. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it like that, but thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about what you do and like how you got to be doing what you're doing. Cause I think it's yeah, amazing so, by the way, and so needed. So oh, I love my work. I actually did some business planning the other day for 2021. Can you believe that's actually happening around the corner? <laughs> So um, one of the metrics that I wrote down was like, I want to ask myself on a scale of one to 10, how lucky do I feel? Like today I am the luckiest girl in the world because this is what I'm doing. And I feel like that so often. And I think there are these other kind of things that happen in online business where it's about revenue or email open rate or some other extraneous thing. And I want it to be about joy. And that's what I get from working with clients. Because then I think so much of what happens in mid-career in general is this like sunken cost thing. Most of the time we've been in the same role or with the same company for a minute. And sometimes that that (laughs) feels like, okay, old hat, no problem. Don't really have to tune in autopilot. And then something like a global pandemic happens. And there are all these bells that start going off. Like you just have these, oh, maybe this is not okay. Almost Mm. like an awakening of, wow, I thought I could deal with this or I thought this was okay. But now I'm realizing it's really not. Yeah. And it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't even take something as massive as a pandemic. It could be your own health crisis or, which definitely was the case for me. (laughs) It was like, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. And there's, or there's a bad boss or there's a weird situation. All of those things can be like really big indicators of need for change. And, you know, I think for me, when you ask about my story, I have been in this job basically my whole life. You know, I say on my website that as a kid, when I would go to slumber parties, I would do word associations and strength weaknesses Before I even knew who Freud was, (laughs) before I knew what the strengths finder was, this was part of my personality, like trying to understand people came from that place. 
And I think that was uh, very much around like this curiosity. I'm that person who asks a lot of questions. And I think for some people that can be off-putting because they don't understand why I need to ask questions, why I can't just talk about myself, but that's my hidden introvert trying to be quiet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Distract them with questions. <laughs> yes. Yes. Tell me about you. Oh, <laughs> and that's what's great about being a coach because it is, it's all about the client. And I love the opportunity to sort of reflect and to give my clients the opportunity to reflect and sort of think about, like you said, what is the situation? What is the catalyst that has you thinking a change is coming. Right, right. And what did you do before you got into coaching? So I have followed industrial organizational psychology since I got introduced to psychology in oh, wow. grad school. In fact, my dad was one of those people who had just a miserable job and a miserable time at it. And he felt really unheard. He felt unseen. And so as a child, that's what I thought work meant. And I thought it was so unfair that he would come home so frustrated and spent and not really connected in any way to his work, just angry, that it was so unfair mm. that he didn't love his job. And why is it that some people did get to love their job? And I think that sort of set me on to this path to find a way to get people to be happier at work. And when I found out about industrial organizational psychology, the crux of the science is understanding satisfaction at work, understanding scientific principles for how to motivate people, for how to find a really good job fit, how to help people do their best work every day. Because that's what really makes you happy. It's that simple. Yeah, that's so interesting. So what, and if you can boil this down, like what is the number one factor to job satisfaction? Yeah, I think it's using your strengths. I am a huge advocate for the Clifton Strengths Finders. It's a really affordable, easy to use tool. And even if you only get the first five strengths, if you are using those strengths every day, to do work that you enjoy, you are happy. And mm, interesting. You're that makes probably sense, happier though. at home too. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, when you spend so much of your life working, like, of course that's, you know, you're not happy doing it. It's going to spill out into just about every aspect of your life. I would think. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, because I'm just thinking about it like anytime, you know, in my own career where, you know, you're doing things that, yeah, you can do them, but it's just not in your wheelhouse. It's like, <laughs> like pulling teeth, right? It's just right. not fun. And when you're yeah. in your zone, you're like, oh, I could do this all day. I don't even care if I get paid well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, the, the secret sauce. Like I talk about in my complete roadmap to advancing your career in good times and bad, I talk about this idea of like your secret sauce. And I think as women, it's unknown to us, but so enjoyed by others. Like it's that thing that people go to you for. It's maybe even a personality characteristic that people seek you out for. Oh, we should include her on the team because she always has those out of the box ideas. Mm. Or so, and sometimes your strengths show up in very interesting ways. Um, I had someone tell me um, a couple of weeks ago that positivity was one of her top five strengths and that she had never really noticed it. And then she took the assessment and had this aha from years ago that after 
a really trying day. She had been through several meetings and a boss actually came to her and said, that meeting was tough today. It, it feels like, you know, you're a little off your game. Is everything okay? Because the team had become so dependent on her positivity to move things forward, to keep that meeting light and easy, mm. that was not displaying one of her key strengths. It affected everybody. And I think that's wow. what's so amazing to have that knowledge. It's sort of like wearing this superhero belt. Like you really know at any point which tool to go for um, because you're so aligned with those things. So when you're counseling people about how to find their their secret sauce, I mean, obviously there's the strength finder quiz, which I'm sure you can do. Are there other ways that people can kind of at least get some inclination as to what their secret sauce is? Like what's their, their gift? Yeah, I think probably been rewarded for it through an mm. award, uh, maybe a bonus, or it's the pat on the back that you get the most. Um, right. Generally, it's a thing that your direct boss, your teammates really value in you. That's definitely going to be one of the things that shows up. Mm, interesting. So you had talked about before uh, about your unique selling proposition. Is that the same thing as your secret sauce and your unique selling proposition, the same thing? So your unique selling proposition is the way that you market your secret sauce. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> so and it has to be, let's bring out our classic Venn diagram. Your USP is the secret sauce, the part that you do. And then the value that it adds to the company. Where's the intersection? That's your mm -hmm. USP. So gotcha. uh, for the, the person who had the positivity, that probably meant that she was a great teammate. She was easy to follow. So she was a good leader. My guess is uh, just knowing her personality, she probably had some amazing project management skills. All of those things are hers and hers alone. Where they show up as valuable for her company and her unique selling proposition might have been in a direct project or a new contract that was landed or in building consensus. Sometimes we forget that those are really valuable right. skills. Right, right. So, you know, so if somebody is thinking, so midlife, you know, you're, you're kind of reaching this place where you're like, I can't keep doing this thing. Um, and what, like, what is the first step? Well, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. One of the things that you talk about um, and we have talked about before is the opportunity cost of burnout. So you're in this job, you're doing it, you're doing it, and your two choices are, okay, I can keep doing this until I'm going to retire one day, so I can just keep going here, or I can choose to do something different. The easy path often feels like, well, I know this one, <laughs> the devil I know versus the <laughs> devil I don't, so I can stay here. But there's a cost to that. Like, what is? what do you mean by the opportunity cost of burnout? Because it feels like the safe path. Right. Right. But maybe and it's I, not. I think, right. Maybe it's not. And so much of that inquiry um, is a look at what you're missing out on. I had a terrific client um, in Memphis and her family was back on the East Coast. She hadn't bought a house because this job didn't feel permanent to her. Um, she hadn't really grown her community, things that she had done way before she took this job that were so important to her. Being active in her community was one of them. Um, and she was working obsessively, like 60, 70 hours a week. Wow. Um, and when we talked about her journey forward, the next logical step, and I think there's so much we could talk about with this, the corporate ladder, mm -hmm. the track 
yeah. up. Yeah, I do want to talk that, about that. Yeah. Is that even something that you really want? Some of us don't even have that conversations with ourselves. But for her, it was just an automatic. Well, of course, I'm moving up to this um, C-suite level. Of course, I need to be taking on these kinds of projects and activities and um, interacting with people who are not treating me well, who are not behaving um, according to corporate standards. And I, I'm going to have to lump it because that's what it takes for me to do this job. And we had this conversation about not only what was unfair about that situation, but also what was really going on in terms of that accomplishment? Who was that for? Was that even for my client? And then to say, once you get there, is it really going to be enough? So many people climb to the top and the view is nothing more than more responsibility, more headaches, more, um, more disdain, more distraction, more upheaval. Like there's not this satisfying, I made it. I mean, there might be for a moment, yeah. but, yeah. and then she had to really look at what was she missing out? Was she willing to continue the sunken cost she had already given? She had already been pot committed on not having a community, not being a homeowner, something that she thought was really important for her, were all things that she had given up so that she could pursue this upward track that she didn't really believe was going to make her happy in the end. And I think there's a big eye-opening moment around that. But I mean, that's really huge because, you know, Again, like in our culture, we are taught you go to school, you come out of school, you get a good job, you climb the corporate ladder, and then you retire. Okay, that's your life. It's laid out, right? So you're climbing, you're climbing, you're climbing, climbing. You get to the top, you're like, uh, is this it? Like, is this what I've been working so hard for? And this is absolutely my own scenario where I would find myself sitting in a boardroom going, what am I doing here? Like, you know what I mean? And again, and then you start weighing in the, okay, and what am I giving up to get here? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that is. And I think we just don't think in those terms because we, we've been taught the track, like this is the track, this is the way you do it. Right. Yes. Like there's no sidesteps. You keep going up. (laughs) Especially at midlife. Again, that I have been doing this for so long. And if I turn around and say, I'm going to exit the ladder right now, what does that say about the 15 or 20 years that Mm. I've put in up to this point? And what are people going to think? What does that look like? What are people going to think? They're going to be so jealous. That's what they're going to (laughs) think. Yeah. At the time, you're not thinking that, but that is absolutely the truth, right? Like, and I feel like, you know, midlife, and I talk about this a lot. So people on podcasts have heard me say this before. Midlife is a point where you have to step into your authenticity. You like literally have no choice because you run out of energy for any kind of pretense or mask or anything that doesn't fit. So if you're in a career, you know, that you're like, okay, I can make it work, but it's not really who you are. Like, chances are you're going to burn out or something's going to happen to kind of push you off that track because you have no choice but to step into your most authentic self. And maybe your most authentic self is not CEO or next level up. Maybe your authentic self was two jobs ago. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Or in different company or whatever it is. Absolutely. And I think at this point, one of the things that is just being recognized is that the rate of change 
is so fast now. The rate of change for business, the rate of change for technology. Mm -hmm. And yet we are lugging around all of these 20, 30 year old paradigms about just keep swimming, just keep swimming, like go in every day, put in your hours, get your promotion. And it's just silly. Like there's so much more to life. And honestly, the future of work is not going to hold up on the corporate ladder. I think we should cut it down and burn it as firewood right now. We don't need it. There's so much more that you can learn and experience if you think instead about these tiny little pivots on a jungle gym. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it might be a lateral move or it might be one step down so that you can take three steps up. There's all of these little tweaks that you can make. This idea of continuous improvement definitely applies to our careers. It is not just this tech speak and agile and those things are absolutely applicable to our careers. And what you might find is you have found your spot, something you didn't even know existed. I love this idea of taking on a rotation or a project-based opportunity like the gig economy. So you're gigging into the next opportunity. And if you do it inside your company, you're not jeopardizing your 401k, any of your paid time off, or all of that reputation capital that you have built, Mm. all of those networks and connections that you have made. Be a little more assertive. Take the opportunity to maybe call in some opportunities. In one of the best books I've ever read about career development for women, How to Rise, Sally Hagelson talks about how women have all of these networks, but we don't leverage them. Mm, We're thinking in terms of making friends instead of with the caveat that you wouldn't ask your friend to help you out. Yes, you would. (laughs) Yes, you would ask your friend. (laughs) So why is that? Why do we not leverage our networks like men do? I think that's a huge obstacle for women. I think that a lot of that is coming down to this feeling of using someone. Mm -hmm. It it feels a little sketchy. It feels gross. Like, I don't want to be asking for favors. I'm not creating this like tit for tat opportunity. But in the same way that you would ask somebody to help you with carpool, or if somebody was sick, you would take them chicken noodle soup. It's the same thing. We're asking for the opportunity to help out. Well, and I mean, I think this is, again, you know, a conditioning for women is like, we are always willing to do for other people, but so many of us will not ask for what we need. Mm. Right? Like we will burn ourselves into the ground before we'll say, hey, I need some help over here. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll go do for everybody and everything until we're like exhausted and can't even stand up rather than saying, oh, I'm going to go ask so-and-so to do this thing for me. And I'm going to, I mean, I learned that one the hard way. I'm the best delegator in the world now, but (laughs) (laughs) it It is definitely a learned skill. um, And I think it's something that you hone over time. For Um, sure. But yeah, Yeah. I mean, we do not ask for what we need. And that is a situation where it's like, oh, hey, Sally, you could help me make a connection with somebody or put in a good word for me, but I'm not going to ask you that. Right, right. Yeah. And these can be small ask. I mean, if you need a place to start, it's as simple as, hey, what are you working on? Or I heard you guys landed the so-and-so account. That sounds really interesting. What's involved? Like you can kind of be a supportive Mm. 
slightly nosy <laughs> coworker, right? And, and just get get the lay of the land. And then you know the next step would be creating kind of like a pitch to your boss to say, "Hey, I noticed that new project came in." And especially during COVID, any way that you can add value right now, that is all the businesses are looking for. So if you can come to your boss and say, I feel like my skills, and this is where your secret sauce and your USP combine, feel like my ability to manage projects and my ability to bring together different stakeholders would be super helpful on that project. Do you think that's something that I could look into a little more? Is that something that I could help out with? Because I think they would really benefit from what I can offer. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. That is so good. Yeah, because you got to ask for it, right? Like nobody's, yeah, you can't, like nobody's going to just come by and, well, very rarely does it happen, right? Like, so put yourself in the position to be able to ask for it. Right. Don't assume that people know. I think that's a big misnomer. And that's something actually in the book, How Women Rise, Sally speaks to this idea that we as women just think that people know and remember what we're looking for. Just try to be a little more cognizant of all the things that your manager is managing, including his or her own development and their needs for moving up or out there's easy ways that you can incorporate that into conversations as simple as like, oh, I saw this really interesting article. It reminded me of that time I did X, Y, and Z. I'd really love to get back to that kind of work. You can make it as easy as that. Um, And I know we don't have the the walk-by experience right now, (laughs) but those can be quick emails or IMs, just something a little more organic. It doesn't have to be a full-fledged meeting. I know we're all meetinged out, but really advocating for yourself And again, leveraging those networks will allow you to hop off the corporate ladder, will allow you to let go of any shame or grief that you might be feeling around making a career switch because you're just checking it out. It's just an experiment at this point. Just just kind of see what's over there. Yeah. And how do you counter, you know, like I've heard this before, like, well, you know, I'm too old or ageism is a thing or whatever. How do you counsel your clients on that one? Like, they're not going to take me seriously because now I'm 52 or whatever. Yeah. I I mean, I think we have to be honest. Ageism is a thing. It is Um, absolutely a thing. And yeah, it's unfair and totally shooting companies in their own foot. So shame on them. And also neener, neener, you get what you get. (laughs) <laughs> but right. like you're, you're missing out. But yeah. I also think that um, there are a couple of traps that people fall into. The classic one is starting your resume with, I have 20 years of experience. Uh-huh. If they didn't ask that, you don't need to tell them that. You right. know, you just say what they asked for. They asked for five years of experience. The other thing is, obviously, when they see you in the interview, they'll get an idea of your age. Right. Um, and some of the ways that you can kind of tackle that head on is with easy little jokes about technology or about, you know, um, I, I'm not that person who waits on their grandkids to come over to fix, you know, their tablet. I'm pretty savvy and this, that, and the other. And I love this software platform. And then tell them how you use it. Like, go ahead and insert yourself and, and sort of cut it off at the pass and give them an example of where you are just a master of something that they might think otherwise. Right. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah, because I think, you know, I mean, ageism, as you said, is a thing. And then we buy into that, right? Mm -hmm. Then it becomes our story, 
<laughs> um, and then we carry that story with us. And if we're not leading, you know, if, if, if that's the story we're leading with, mm-hmm. right, I'm really old, but <laughs> I have all yes. this, you know, knowledge and experience. Yeah, that's so interesting. So how, or maybe, maybe, or maybe not, but like, how has COVID and the whole work from home situation impacted this or the strategies that people would use? Yeah, I think for the most part, as we talked about earlier, this career awakening kind of happening. Oh, I thought I could get through this uh, through retirement, mm-hmm. or I never really realized how much I don't like this. Um, when everything else is stripped away, it becomes very clear. Um, right. And I also think there's sort of the the economic thing at play too. Like I wouldn't recommend to anyone maybe under the most dire of circumstances to quit their job and wait and see what happens. Because for whatever reason, laws of attraction, the universe, um, when you got a job, it's a lot easier to get another one. But also there's um, some hidden opportunities, again, in your current company. And you can really be working on your network. So if you know that you can't leave tomorrow, but you want to leave very soon, Spend all of your time and energy revitalizing your connections, working your network, and thinking through what it would look like to work at the company of your dreams, maybe, or to kind of building out the plan even. Um, You might be surprised what you can get done in three, four months in terms of building up your network and getting some kind of buzz around um, and kind of just renewing your belief in yourself. Oh yeah. yeah, I am damn good at this. I could yeah. certainly be a lead in this situation or of course I could work for Google. Like <laughs> you you might have just some mental games that you need to play just to get to that space. Yeah. And and going ahead with that intention sort of sets you up for that. Yeah. I mean, I am a huge proponent of intention and visualization. Instead of focusing on the thing that's wrong, is Mm -hmm. to focus on the things that you want. Because energetically, you're in two different places, right? Like one, you're open to attraction and possibility. And the other one, you're just drawing more of whatever it is that you don't like to yourself. Absolutely. (laughs) Right? So creating that vision and just knowing what you want, right? Like spending the time to go, okay, this isn't it. I know that. Okay. I mean, and if you follow any law of attraction work, right, like knowing what you don't want is as important as knowing what you want. So he's like, okay, I got that side covered. All right. Now, what do I want? Like, what does that look like? And spend time like playing in that space, like in your head. Yes. Then it also gives you the confidence, right? Like, because like, you know, our brains don't know the difference between reality (laughs) and imagination, right? And so when you've already put yourself in that place, you act more like you're already in that place, which then draws that opportunity to you. So, I mean, it's... (laughs) It's, it's something that I work with my clients on all the time. Like, what is it that you want to create next? Right, right, right. What do you want to create? And I think yeah. also being kind to yourself and knowing that this is a process. Yeah. Um, keeping in mind, especially if you're, if it's been a while since you've done a resume, had an interview, even changed companies, like all of those things are a little jarring at first. And it can be kind of overwhelming to think, oh my gosh, I have to do all of this stuff. But if you take the time now, when you have that time, and as you said, just create this vision of what is next for you and start getting in touch with people. You would be amazed to see, especially right now, the most innovative companies 
are hiring. They are looking to seize this opportunity um, for top talent because they know the workplace, the, the ability to find the best talent is so hard and it's only going mm. to get harder. Yeah. And if you can show them that you're willing to do the reskilling, that you're willing to do some development, that you have this extensive network, that is valuable. That is so valuable. Yeah. So if there's somebody listening to this right now and they're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start, you know, creating my next chapter or like looking for a different thing. Like what is the first, the very, like the first three things that you recommend people do when they're like, okay, I know this is not it. Okay. I'm moving on. What are your kind of one? um, One is don't get trapped by the passion myth. Um, I am. Yeah. More about that one. (laughs) I am very serious about earning an income. <laughs> and, right. Okay. Um, I can, if you ask me, I'm a good singer. Would anyone pay to hear me sing? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. <laughs> so it has to be something that's of value to the marketplace. There right. has to be a place where you can create value for someone else. And that doesn't always happen in your passion, but it does happen with your purpose. Because Mm. your purpose can align with the mission of the company. Or for me, it's always aligned with HR. Helping other people has just always been at my heart. The place that I want to be is helping someone else. And that can come. Purpose is a great North Star. I think that passion is um, a little bit like a Vegas lights situation. It's real shiny and easy to look to. So how do you define? Fine. And we'll get back to your other two points, but how do you, like, what's a concrete distinction between passion and purpose? Because I feel like they always get lumped together and maybe intertwined a bit. Right. So I think of passion as something like gardening or knitting or like this way that you like to spend your time. And purpose is this thing that happens with impact, right? So helping others, I see the impact on others, or I care about global warming, the impact of that would be maybe changing how people use water. This idea that there is like a measurable moment of change, I think is so closer connected to purpose, whereas passion feels a little more like it's for you. It's the thing that lights you up, which may or may not create value in the marketplace that gets you paid. Okay. So I think that's a good distinction because I'm listening to you talk and I'm like, okay, your passion is your purpose, right? Like your passion is helping and understanding people and then, you know, how they, so like they can be, they can be yes. together, but they the don't question have to be, yes. but they don't have to be. So that's the distinction. Thank you for clearing right. that up. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. So don't, don't get trapped by Vegas show lights right. in your passion. And then number two, I would say, Get yourself on LinkedIn. Like it's the fastest way to reconnect with people. And I fully believe that people are the connection to the work that we want to do (laughs) because you get a realistic job preview from a person. You get an idea of what um, a totally different career would look like from a person. 
It's not something you could read in an article or take some classes on Udemy. Like that's, that's not a real realistic preview. And I also think that opportunities are connected to people. And once you are able to build what I like to call like your brand ambassadors, people who really get you, like they understand your DNA. If they are out there pounding the pavement on your behalf, connecting you to people who can connect you to jobs, that's super powerful. And the sooner you start that, the more likely you are to find a great job, not a job on Indeed or on a job board, right. but a great job, because that's what you're really looking for. Remember my client who was just following the path up? That's not a great job. That's a next step. That's what's supposed to happen. Don't get caught in that either. Like really allow yourself to say, if I'm leaving, I'm leaving for the great job. And I know it's out there. I know it's waiting for me. Here's how I'm going to get it through these people. (laughs) Well, and that is so true because in my own life, when I decided that I, you know, I needed to make a shift um, in my career, one of the things that I did, and because I wasn't clear on what I wanted to do, I just knew it had to be different. So I went out and I had as many coffee dates with as many different people from as many different walks of life as I possibly could. And I would ask every one of them, Hey, do you know somebody else who I could talk to? I kind of explained, you know, where I was. And then I would get it. And I literally, because I think too, when you're in your bubble, you're in your bubble and you see and talk to the same people. And so you, they all have the same perspective as you. And when I stepped outside that bubble, I was like, holy cow, look at all these different ways people make money. Like, look at all their different jobs. Like, who knew that job even existed? Yes, yes. Right? And it it was probably one of the best things I've ever done because I made connections doing that that I will have forever. Like, I still have. And and I even still do it today because, and that's probably one of the reasons why I started this podcast, because I love connecting with people. Like, I love to hear their stories. I like, how did you get here? Like, what did that look like? Where, what are your skills? Like, I am just fascinated by, you know, all the shapes and flavors and sizes of people, right? Yes. And what they do. Yeah. So I highly, highly recommend that to anybody. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I think, yeah, I think that would probably be my number three, like start having informational interviews. And in my mind, these are 15 to 20 minute conversations, coffee talks. That's a great way to describe them. And really be diligent with your time. Remember, this is a gift of having the opportunity to talk to someone. So watch the clock. If you say 20 minutes, make it 20 minutes and be realistic. Like you'll probably get to ask two or three questions. And as Jennifer said, you should end every single conversation with, is there someone else that I should talk to? Because That is an amazing way to meet people, again, who are outside your bubble, who have an interesting or different perspective, and who know someone who knows someone. Wow, that's exactly it. It's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Like that old saying is so, it's more truth than we ever realize. Absolutely. And the speed of information, the speed of opportunities, I can tell you having sat on the other side of the table when when hiring managers are faced with interviewing someone that has been recommended versus people who just came in from the job ad, there's a very different tone even when they enter the room because you've been vetted. Like somebody has recommended you, you come with clout already. This is yours to lose. And that is exactly the situation you want to be in when you're ready to change careers. You want to walk into that very last step, that, that moment in the interview where it's like, I got this. I have got this. 
Yeah. And it gives you a jumping off point. Like you already have a point of commonality between the two of you, right? Which just allows the conversation. Like you've already kind of bridged the gap of like, we need to get to know each other because it's like, oh, so-and-so, you know, so-and-so. Okay. And then it's like that whole conversation. Like it just, it's a connection point. Yes. Which just makes everything flow from there. Yeah. It's so interesting. Wow. So is there anything that we haven't talked about that's like crucial to this midlife career shift that you would run, that you recommend to people? I would say it's a process. It'll be a little, whatever. It's like um, when you start a home renovation, whatever the budget and the time (laughs) limits were, double them. (laughs) Right. Like I think for career change, especially at this point in our lives, like we're not new grads. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not I say it's unlikely that you'll pull down a job off Indeed and be there in 30 days. That, that's very, very, very unlikely. For someone at mid-career, A, you're very integral to the, the work that they do there. So you have to be vetted more cautiously. For sure. And B, you want to. Again, you want to make a transition to a great job. So give yourself time and space. Um, And I would just say, just as you said, Jennifer, about like creating that space, imagining yourself there, envisioning yourself, and really just connecting to people, that's what's going to do it. Be patient and be kind. Like, remember that this is, maybe it's all brand new for you. It's been if it's been mm-hmm. over two years since you've done it, the, the marketplace for jobs has changed substantially. And it's not a reflection on you at all. It's not because you're older. It's not because of tech moves too fast. It, it's just is what it is. Yeah. And you don't have to own any of that. So let that go. <laughs> right. It has changed and you will figure it out because you are a smart, capable woman. And don't take on any of that BS that I can't. Yeah. And I think, you know, like just to close, like to close on that point, um, we are far more powerful than we ever give ourselves credit for. And our ability to create, like it, it exists. It's just that we, we, we never see ourselves in that position of, oh, I'm going to go create. It's like, oh, what can I get? Or, you know, who's going to give me? Like we have the power to create whatever it is that we want. Right. We Absolutely. just have to, like you said, just leave the limiting beliefs. Don't take on the, you know, oh, well, you know, over 50, it's nearly impossible to get as soon as you take that one on and carry it with you, you're done. Right. right? Like stop focusing on that. <laughs> Focus right. on what you want, create the vision. Right. And the vision is powerful. Like you might not realize how, how much that vision is working for you because it's happening in tiny incremental little steps along the way until one day you look back and you're like, Oh, look at that. I'm exactly right here where I said I wanted to be. Yes. I have a quick story. So please share. I said to a friend just the other day, I've gotten everything I ask for. And it's so hard to be in a place of, of gratitude and awe to say to myself, wow, I said one day I'd own a house at the beach. I bought this house. One day I'll live at that house in the beach. And now I do. And it's Mm -hmm. really amazing to have, to even be able to say, I have that, but to take it one step further and say, I made that happen. Yes. That's where I need to be. That's what I need to be most grateful for, that I am powerful enough, that I believe in myself enough, that these things are happening for me. All of the universe is conspiring in my favor and look where I am. Yes. Amazing. 
you know, I, I feel the exact same way as you. Like I feel so lucky to be doing what I'm doing all the time. And, you know, when I left my corporate job, I, one of the two things that I said I wanted was um, I wanted to wake up and feel passionate about what I did every day. Right. Which is my passion and purpose question. Yes. Um, and I wanted this girl in the world. That's yeah, my favorite I, metric. I, exactly. And then I wanted freedom. Yes. Right. Like, cause I, for a while, there was quite a while where I just felt very constrained. Like, like, and the, I realized now in hindsight, I felt very constrained because I was using like one quarter of what it is that I truly was. Yes. And when I opened up the door, it was like, oh, now I feel free. Like, yeah, I still work hard. Yeah. You know, I still put in a lot of hours, but I feel free doing it because I've accessed all of these other parts of my gifts and my strengths that I hadn't, that I didn't before. Right. And like being in that place and knowing that, you know, from there, like you have the power to create whatever it is you want. I mean, and people roll their eyes when I say that, but it's like the situation we're in today, we created it and we can just as easily create the situation that we want to be yes. in tomorrow. Yes. yes. Right. So, yeah. So for those of you listening, what, if you can dream it, you can have it. Yes. Create the vision, feel into it. And you can have that thing. I promise you, you can have that thing. Yeah. Well, thank you for spending this time. That was really um, eye-opening. Where can people find more about Amber Beam and what you do, your coaching services? and? So I have everything on my website at amberbeam.com. And I've created a special page just for your listeners awesome. that includes my roadmap for the complete guide to advancing your career in good times and bad at amberbeam.com slash results. Because I know that's what we all really want is results. Okay. We will make sure to put that in the show notes so everybody can access that. And thank you again. This was great. So everybody go check out Amber Beam at amberbeam.com and definitely download the, how to, what is it again? How to, (laughs) the complete guide to advancing your career in good times and bad. Yeah, that one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Amber. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.